Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves, not somebody else, yourself. As to whether you are in the faith, test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are disqualified? And we saw this in context and we saw that the way you're going to test yourself and examine yourself if you are in the faith is to find out. You look at yourself and make sure that you're not in contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, and that you're that you've repented of these things, you've repented if you've sinned in these areas, you've repented of uncleanness or fornication or lewdness. He's given you a whole list of things that are sin, but it's any sin, anything that violates God's moral commandments. He's saying you need to repent of it if you've sinned against them. We started by seeing the context of this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 and 21, and then went into the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 10. You can go ahead and do that and study that for yourself. Go back and listen to the podcasts. We've already discussed this quite at length, but I'm sure that there's much more that you could learn from it, and there's much more to say about it. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Well, have you done that? Have you tested yourself? Are you sure that you're not living in, in some kind of sin and you haven't repented of it? If you are in some kind of sin and you haven't repented, then I say to you, repent in the name of Jesus. Let's confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we'll confess them and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you can't hide it. You can't try to ignore it or you can't just look to Jesus. You know, as I've heard some people say, no, you have to actually confess your sin before him. You have to repent and you have to forsake it. And then, uh, you know, after doing that, then his blood will cleanse you and set you right and set you in place. Okay, now with this in your thinking and with this under your belt, so to speak, Acts chapter 24, verse 24 and 25. Amen. The Lord gave me these scriptures. I really hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to them in the past. I kind of had glossed over them, I guess. And this is the when Paul was before Governor Felix and his wife, Drusilla. Verse 24, And after some days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, you remember our, our lead scripture, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, said, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. And we saw over there that Paul was telling them, if you haven't repented of all these things, you're not in the faith. <laughs> you need to test yourself. You need to examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Well, here, Paul starts teaching and preaching before Felix and his wife, Drusilla, concerning the faith in Christ. Usually, when we think of faith in Christ, we think of, well, are you saved? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? That's usually what people think about faith in Christ. But I want you to see what Paul included when he was teaching about faith in Christ. Now, this is important, folks. We need to get this right. The church has gotten away from this. I'm talking about in general, the church of the living God has gotten away from such emphasis as we see here in verse 25. So what did Paul call faith in Christ? Here we go. Now, as he reasoned 
about, number one, righteousness. Number two, self-control. And number three, the judgment to come. And then it says Felix was afraid. Some translations say he was in terror. <laughs> I mean, it freaked him out. <laughs> and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Paul's idea of faith in Christ and the message of faith in Christ had to do with righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And I want to start looking at these because this is the way he explained faith in Christ. And I mean, it was so strong that it made Felix shake and tremble. A number of translations say that uh, about seven, that it made him tremble. This is what Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was sent to do. Do you remember? John chapter 16 and verse 8. This is a really powerful scripture. It says, and when he has come, and Jesus was talking about when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Well, you need to look at this word convict because the word convict, the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment, often people read this and say, well, conviction is only for the world. It really doesn't apply to Christians. That's dumb. That's ridiculous. If you study this word convict in the scripture, first of all, I'll give you a definition. The word convict means to expose, to reprove, rebuke. And then Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of New Testament words says to reprehend severely, to correct, call to account. To show one his fault. Huh. Wow. It's the same word that you find used in a number of different places that is, that's speaking directly to Christian. Now I'm going to give you some of these scriptures. I don't have time to look at all of these, but I do want to look, for example, at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Now this same word convict from the Greek. It's the same exact word that you're going to find in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. The division of chapter and verse didn't do us any good. But chapter 3 and verse 15, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then he begins to talk about, he goes right into chapter 4 and verse 2, preach the word. Now we know what word. He's talking about the scripture. Be ready in season and out of season. And now here's the word. Convince. That word convince is the same word translated convict. I believe I'm right. It's either that one or the next one, rebuke, but <laughs> because they're very close in definition. But, and some translations will translate it that way. Rebuke instead of convince here. No, it's actually the word rebuke, I believe, here in this, in this verse. I'll check up on that and I'll get back with you on that, but it's one of the, these two words. But anyhow, both either one of these words, uh, rebuke and convince, are talking about one of these words, are talking about convict. I don't have my Greek Testament here. I could check it real quick. But it means, again, to expose, reprove, rebuke, 
reprehend severely, correct, call to account, show one his fault. This is what this word means. And this is what it's telling us that we're supposed to be doing in the churches. We're supposed to be correcting through the scripture. We're supposed to be sometimes reprehend, uh, give a rebuke, a strong rebuke, a severe rebuke at times. Uh, let me give you another another scripture here. Titus chapter 1 and verse 13. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. Now you see that? Rebuke them sharply. That's this Greek word, convict. It's the same Greek word as in John chapter 16, verse 8. As in over here, when it's talking about the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Oh, now we go back and remember that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Here he says, Titus, I want you to rebuke these people sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Amen. Go to chapter 2, verse 15. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So rebuke is an important part of this convicting power of the Spirit. And sometimes it comes severe. It brings correction. It calls you to account. It shows you your fault. It'll expose sin and darkness. One place where it's used deals with this exposition of sin. Look at John chapter 3. And I'm still talking about this word convict. It's so important. I haven't given you all the scriptures. I'm giving you some of the scriptures. And verse 20. Now this is where this word is used again. Now listen to it. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be, and this is the New King James translation, exposed. We could say rebuked. We could say reproved. We could see, uh, say reprehended severely or corrected or, or, or <laughs> calls you to account or shows you your fault. Amen. And then verse 21, of course, says, He who does the truth comes to the light. And Jesus said, your word is truth in John chapter 17, verse 17. This word is very important in these scriptures. And I'm going to give you a couple more. But this is important, folks, because we've had an idea in Christianity that you can't correct, can't expose or reprove or rebuke or reprehend severely because that wouldn't be love. You can't call to account. You can't show somebody their fault. But now you have to do it in the right spirit. Now, this is what I want to talk about. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are instructions and rebuke and correction and a call to repentance to churches in Asia Minor. This is Jesus talking. This is important because out of seven churches, five of them are told to repent, which means that as a Christian, you need, if you sin, to repent. Jesus says in chapter 3 and verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now, notice how it's all connected. And notice he says, if I love you, <laughs> I may need <laughs> to rebuke you sometimes and to chasten you. And uh, therefore, because of this, you need to be zealous and you need to repent. 
This is all a part of the message of love, which people often in churches have denied. Jesus said, I love you, I'm rebuking you. I love you, and if I have to reprehend you severely, I will. I love you, and if I have to uh, call you to account, I will. I love you, and I have to show, and if I have to show you your fault, I will. Love does this rebuking, correcting, and calling to account. If you read Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5, he says, My son, listen to it, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged. When you are rebuked, there's that word, uh, by him. Amen. When you are corrected, convinced, convicted by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. But uh, did you notice that's all connected again to the love of God? God loves you. He'll correct you. Your pastor will correct you because he loves you. Did you know that this is speaking the truth in love? that is mentioned in Ephesians 4.15. You know, I've heard some people that have talked about this, speaking the truth in love. They make it sound like you got to speak in little mousy tones and you have to speak in, in soft tones and almost in a sissified manner in order to be speaking the truth in love. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. That's not true. Amen. At times, love will reprehend severely. When it does, it's love all the way. To rebuke is love. When done because you're not seeking your own. You remember? 1 Corinthians 13. But you're seeking the benefit of your hearer. If you correct or rebuke somebody to prove that I'm right, or to prove that you want to manipulate or insist that things be your own way alone, or because you want revenge, or because you're hurt or offended, or it makes you feel superior. As one translation says, I believe it's the Amplified Translation over there in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is not inflated with pride. If the rebuking makes you feel superior or inflated with pride, then listen to me. It's very wrong, and it's not love. But if you're doing it because you love people, and you're being led by the Spirit, and you're doing, you're speaking the truth in love, sometimes the rebuke will be strong, will be sometimes harsh, it'll expose, it'll reprove, it'll rebuke, it'll convict, and it'll make you tremble at times, like it did Felix when Paul preached concerning faith in Christ, which was righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And we've still not gotten there, but we're going to get there in this next podcast.